Good afternoon. We're going to pick up where we left off last time uh, as we begin talking about living in digital Babylon, what that looks like. And we talked last week, or last session, about the church in Babylon. And that's where we're going to finish. We're going to pick up where we left off there. And I, I want to go back. One of the things uh, we had talked about in several times before was uh, how the nation has been deaf to the warnings that God has given us, and <clears throat> how the church has cooperated with the enemy in a lot of the things that are going on. So we want to pick up with that idea, and um, we spoke about how many of the things, many of the evil ideas that are being transmitted and that the church is grabbing a hold of uh, are taking root in America. We think about America and think of the nation uh, is drinking from similar poison wells. It's like salt water. Um, you get thirsty. You know, you, you, you see a movie where guys are stranded on the Pacific and they're dying of thirst and they're around an ocean of water, but it's salty. It's bad water. And it looks inviting, and if they drink it, uh, they'll die. There's no doubt about it. It'll just kill them. Um, so our country is in a, is in a, a uh, slake of fresh, refreshing water like John chapter 7. Uh, we're looking at, in fact, the, Jesus told the woman at the well, she was longing for living water. And Jesus said, if you get involved with the Holy Spirit, you'll get torrents of, of, of living water rushing out of you in, in a stream. So, um, as our country plunges ahead into many um, saltwater streams, uh, a sexual wasteland of emptiness and despair. Uh, it's our job to understand what it is that God's asked us to do to address this situation. Now, you have to remember, part of this story is not just outlining everything that's wrong because the things that you're going to see that are wrong, we can't fix. There's no way to fix them. So what we want to do is not get in despair, but you have to understand what the lay of the land is before you can make a move. <clears throat> and that's what that's what this whole series is about. Um, there's when one note about sin says when uh, once we open the door to sin, it takes us further than we intended to go, keeps us longer than we intended to stay, and it costs us more than we intended to pay. Uh, so we're going to begin to deal uh, with those situations right now. Now, if you go to let's talk about. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5, and says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, <coughs> pardon me, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And you can go to, certainly to Psalm 139, and, and re understand that God uh, knows Jeremiah before the foundations of the world. He knew that, that Jeremiah was his prophet. And his, and his prophet in this bad situation that they find themselves in Babylon. Um, so one of the things that's very important to us, and as part of this program, is the clearer we hear our call from God, the more courage we'll have to face uphill spiritual battles. Uh, and uh, as, we are, as we shall see, we are to live without fear and live with joy at the privilege of rep representing Christ, even at great personal cost. Now, 
<clears throat> one of the things that we're going to have to deal with, and, and, and like if you remember uh, when, I, when I told about when the Lord revealed to me that, that we needed to do this class, um, one of the things that He said to me as I began to develop this class was this isn't going to turn out the way you think it is. And um, so as I as I delved into it, I began to realize uh, the, I think the number one target audience for this entire study is me because I'm learning that it, things are just not have all been the way that I thought that they were and that my supposed allegiance to God was predicated on sand on many of these issues. And we're going we're gonna to talk about those and that's a, that's a, a brutal thing uh, to discuss. I, just yesterday... Um, I was listening to a song by Kim Walker Smith called I Know. And it was a live version. It's a great song. It's been around for a while. But I hadn't heard it for a while. And I, I know what the words are. It says, I know nothing is impossible. And then the next line says, I know every chain is breakable. But when I listened to it, I heard very clearly, and the Lord gave me a picture, I heard, I know nothing is impossible, and I know everything is breakable. Everything is breakable. And all of a sudden I began to realize all of the systems, all of the things that I grew up in, having faith in, politics, uh, this, um, gender identity, you know, all of the things that I had faith in because they've always been that way are shaken. And we're going we're gonna to discuss that. So we're going to find out a little bit about what the Lord says about that. Now, uh, let's move on. And I'll... And, and, um, We'll talk about, like Israel when she was in Babylon, our challenge is to impact the culture without being spiritually destroyed by it. <clears throat> this is what we're facing today. How do we impact society without being destroyed by it? Uh, first, what does faithfulness look like in a nation that has lost its way? A nation that appears to be under the judgment of God. What does that look like for us? Okay. Uh, second, what are those issues that we as a church must confront in order to represent the God we worship? What are the issues that we must confront in order to represent the God we worship? <clears throat> Number three, Jesus told five of the seven churches in Revelation to repent. What might He be asking them to uh, us to repent of? Uh, where have we lost our way? This is... This is what we want to ask. And it's a personal question as well as it is a corporate question for the church. Now, uh, we must learn how to conduct ourselves as a minority in a majority post-Christian world. We must learn how to engage the culture without becoming contaminated by it. Now, this is, this is walking a razor's edge in many, in many situations. Now, I think one of the things that, that is going to become obvious to us is what are the issues that we're encountering, things that have changed dramatically. Um, uh, I graduated from school, high school in 1970, so you can take a wild shot at my, at my age. It's not 50. Uh, anyway, we'll leave it at that. But, um, uh, and when I graduated, certain things we knew were the same, but there were always problems. Vietnam was a big issue back then. Um, in 1968, we had all the, the political assassinations. Uh, Martin Luther King, uh, 
Uh, all these other people were killed, Bobby Kennedy and so forth. Riots everywhere. It, it was not a fun time. And anybody that wanted to go back to 1968 wasn't in 1968. Let's just put it that way. Well, in 2020, we saw similar things. We saw, uh, the, the, the remember that the foundation scripture for our study is, is Psalm 11.3. When the foundation's destroyed, what do the righteous do? Okay. So we're looking at that. How do, we, how do we deal with this stuff without being contaminated by it? Now, <clears throat> we are asked to be a holy witness within the world rather than to isolate ourselves from the world despite risks that are there. Now, look, you can see John 17:15 is very applicable here. Now listen to Jesus' prayer. This is His prayer as He's getting ready to leave the world and you would assume that when his disciples are here and uh, Jesus is getting ready to split, he's going to give them the best shot that he has. The, this is the best that he has. And listen to this, this John 17:15 from the New American Standard, uh, the 2020 version. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them away from the evil one. This destroys the rapture mentality that I picked up in 1970 when the late great planet Earth came out and we thought we need to get as many people saved as we can and then get the heck out of Dodge and you know let the world burn. That's not God's plan. Uh, I'm sorry that I ever learned that plan, but that's, that's not God's plan. So um, we want to understand how do we deal with these things. Now, Living within the world involves us in a war. There are casualties. Understand, if you, if you remember um, uh, the Tolkien trilogy, um, the, the, the Fellowship of... I can't think of that. The Lord of the Rings, that's right. I was just getting ready to say that. The, the Lord of the Rings. Um, one of the scenes in there was this king says, I will not risk war with my kingdom. And the, and the guy went up to him and said, uh, it doesn't matter. You're in war whether you want to risk it or not. It's here. It's upon us and we have to deal with it. Uh, people may not like spiritual warfare. They may not want to talk about it. They may not want to think about evil and demons and stuff. It doesn't matter. It's upon us and it's going to require people that know how to live in the power of the Holy Spirit to turn this thing around and to have an impact that we need to have. Now, we'll, we'll deal with that as we go on, but Remember, Israel became tolerant. Israel in, in um, uh, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom became tolerant of every form of sexual perversion and thus condoned the lifestyle of the Babylonians. You know, they had, uh, they had uh, at their churches, church services, they had temple prostitutes. And I can imagine that's a pretty popular worship service. It says, hey, where are you going? I'm going to go to church tonight. Well, you've been to church five nights in a row. Well, it's an interesting church. Those are the kind of things that were going on in Babylon, plus many other things. And that's one of the things that, that they had to learn how to live within. And they didn't do a very good job of it. And in many ways, the United States has not done a very good job of it. What concerns, uh, what concerns us is the death of Christian America. Now remember, Erwin Lutzer is writing this book, and I'm summarizing what it is he said, but it, what, what, concern, what the biggest concern is the death of Christian America. The things that we grew up with and that we believed uh, are just dying around us if they're not already gone. Uh, many of the biblical values upon which America was founded are no longer being allowed to shape our laws or our lives. 
Uh, our culture is being shaped by religious fragmentation, widespread disaffection with the church, and changing sexual attitudes, moral and spiritual relativism. So, um, understand this is where we find ourselves. Now, we are called upon to witness within this large culture that adheres to the values of trash television, hedonism, ever-expanding homosexual power and influence, religious antagonism, racial hatred, political wrangling, and the exaltation of individual rights, or now totalitarianism, vaccine mandates, um, work mandates. You go get this done or you lose your job. And this is a serious issue that's going on. The church has got to learn how to deal with it. Um, how do we share our values in a culture that often despises our Christian values? Uh, there is an answer to this. I believe we have. There's a great answer to this, and we're not going to give it right now. But we're going to. Uh, we, there's a lot of other ground to plow through before we get to the answer. But um, our call is to in what what Erwin Lutzer called an engaged alienation. A Christianity that preserves the distinctiveness of our gospel while not retreating from our calling as neighbors, friends, and citizens. That's that's the tough thing to do, but we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna engage it. We're gonna figure out how to do it. Um, now the last part of this is the, the the next statement in here is one that is just it's really tough for me to deal with. The first option for the Jews was to angrily isolate themselves from the Babylonian culture and condemn their captors, and who could blame them? Because the Babylonian soldiers would find Jewish babies and smash them against the wall. That's what they did. History records that. This isn't something we're making up. Well, that's, that's a lot like abortion. Um, I, I ran the statistics. Um, Adolf Hitler was credited with approximately 11 million people beyond the, the war deaths that he killed. Stalin was accredited around 40 million, some higher, some lower guess, but around 40 million. So between Hitler and Stalin, they killed 50, 51 million people. Since Roe v. Wade, the United States has aborted over 62 million babies. So we're not much different than throwing babies against the rocks. We just don't let them come out so we can throw them against the rock. We kill them before we have a chance to. That's the culture that we're in. That's what has to be dealt with. This isn't about a woman's right to choose. It's about walking and honoring God and honoring life. That's one of the tough things that we have to deal with. Now, there's some interesting options that we have here. Uh, there's three options that, that believers have to take, take a look at. Uh, number one, the first option... Pardon me. The first option is isolation. The second option is assimilation. And the third option is infiltration without contamination. Now, the first option was isolation. So what we could do, if we're going to isolate, uh, we'll just sell everything we got and go buy a cabin in the mountains in, in Idaho and just put a wall up and not let anybody get in, cut off the Internet and everything, and just sit there and vegetate. That's called isolation. I know people that are trying to do that now, and uh, that's not going to work. That's not even an option in today's society. It might have been 50, uh, 100 years ago, but it's not today. 
The second option is assimilation. Then we just become part of the crowd. And that's what a lot of churches have done. And that's what a lot of people that acquiesce to some of these uh, ungodly mandates that have been given out, when you, when you join in with them, you're throwing in your towel and saying, well, we'll just, you know, uh, is, is the, the, the idea was spread out in, in, by pastors in Germany for the Christian, German Christians was saying to Bonhoeffer and uh, pastors like Niemöller and Paul Schneider and others that said, uh, well, listen, we can affect the system more if we're within the system than fighting without it. So, you know, we'll take down our crosses and put up swastikas and, you know, we'll, 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 we'll stop talking about Christmas and we'll talk about Yuletide and so forth and so on. Uh, that's called assimilation and that's not an option. The third option is infiltration without contamination. And I'll make one comment about that uh, that, we'll, that we'll look at briefly later. It's a completely un, another study that we won't get into, but it's the idea of the seven mountain mandate, uh, the, the being able to get in on the seven mountains uh, that drive our culture, uh, the economy, um, uh, schools, arts, and entertainment, and so forth, business, religion. Um, we'll talk about that later. That's how we're going to have an impact on, on what's happening in our culture. Now, I want to go on from there, and I want to read, well, what did Jeremiah, who was a prophet when all this was going on, and if you understand Jeremiah's situation, he got in a lot of trouble because he, uh, uh, he told him what God told him to tell him, and he paid a terrible price for it. Jeremiah 29, 4-9, again in the New American Standard, uh, what is this? Uh, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce. Take wives and fathers, sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so they may give birth to sons and daughters and grow in numbers there and do not decrease. Seek the prosperity of the city that I have sent you into exile and pray for the Lord on its behalf, for in its prosperity will be your prosperity. For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says, Do not let your prophets who are in your midst or your diviners or diviners deceive you and do not listen to their interpretation of their dreams for what you dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declared the Lord. So, it's imperative we go back that we hear the Lord and understand what His Word said, and in order to do that, you're going to have to spend a lot of time in the, in the Word. Now, <clears throat> we'll move on. When we're in Babylon and settle down, we build a house, connect your neighbors, don't live in your tents, don't, don't it, it, you know, in other words... Don't be transitory. Don't get to an RV and just live there and move around. You're going to build a house and you're going to become part of society. Uh, don't live in your tents because you're going to be in the land for 70 long years. Implied in these instructions is to learn the language of your captors. Uh, number two, uh, in other words, how do we deal with same-sex marriage, abortion rights, indoctrination of children in our public schools, and install judges to respect the Constitution? Just on the news yesterday was a story of a, of a young woman, uh, 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 um, probably a middle schooler, maybe 7th, 8th grader, in, in Loudoun County, Virginia, that went to the bathroom. There was a guy in there, and he abused her. 
and um, uh, and he was assault, uh, he was charged with several felonies and stuff. And when the dad goes to complain to the school board about it, first of all, they arrested him because they said he was getting uh, angry as the left called he was violently attacking them when all he was trying to do is defend his daughter. And number two, the school denied that it even happened when it's in the police reports. So uh, these are the kind of situations we that are there and we're going to have to figure out what to do about them. Okay? Uh, that may involve us to get involved in some things that we've never been involved with before and we might have to say some things we've never said before. Our task today is uncompromising integration with the people of this nation. Uncompromising integration, establishing and maintaining safeguards so that we might not be absorbed by the world. Now, when in Babylon, one of the things that we were required to do was to build strong families. In Judaism, there were strong fathers who took responsibility for the home. That doesn't. That, today, uh, one of the counselors in our church told me, the biggest problem that they have today is with um, fatherless families where fathers have abdicated their role and um, they just come in and, and make babies and they leave and leave mom with the kids. And, um, of course, they promise them this and promise them that. I'll marry, I love you, uh, and so forth and so on. They just leave them. So now society is stuck, and this is where the church can come in Society stuck with these single moms with these kids and they don't have a clue what to do. It's not the government's responsibility to give them welfare. This is the church's responsibility. And we've abdicated it for so long. We've abdicated what God has assigned to the church, to the government for so long, we really don't know what to do about it. And because we don't tithe like we should, the church doesn't really have the funds to do what they're supposed to do. Uh, we'll ride that horse a little bit later. Um, God knew that with strong fathers grounded in the Word of God, these families would survive paganism. Uh, with strong families, God would have future seed and the message of, the, of His gospel in the Old Testament would flourish. So, uh, we have to deal with these things. Now, here's three, here's, remember this. When in Babylon, get involved in city life. You can see that in Jeremiah 29.7. When in Babylon, pray. Pray for your neighbors who worship false gods. Don't get mad at them. Don't pick at them. Don't yell at them. Pray for them. That's tough to do sometimes, when you want, especially when you want to not only pray at them, pray with them. You don't want to pray with them. You want to hit them in the head with a frying pan. I understand that. But that's not what we're supposed to do. I, I can't find in the King James, hittest thou thy neighbor with a frying pan. It's not there. I've looked for it. Trust me. It's not there. Um, seriously, they're really supposed to pray for Babylon, this nation whose cruel soldiers destroyed their families and perhaps killed their parents and relatives. Pray for the people who stole your country. Pray for their blessings. Pray for their shalom. This is, goes back to what G.K. Chesterton said. Christianity hasn't been tried and found difficult. It's been found difficult and not tried. That's what we're supposed to do. Are we doing it? I have to admit, I don't do it as well as I need to. And that's part of what God's showing me through this is that you have to sit down and you, you have to make a decision to walk in this. When in Babylon, remember God's promises. We're going to talk about that in a while. 
No one proved more than Daniel, who was conscripted to work for King Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan whose armies threw, Jew threw Jewish babies against the rocks. Daniel sought the well-being of his king, who was steeped in the occult, and wanted those who served him to have the, the same training. Now get this. Daniel sought the well-being of Nebuchadnezzar. And just kind of an FYI, you should look up about Nebuchadnezzar. He's actually a pretty fascinating guy. He was a great military leader, he was a great administrator, and but his armies were cruel. He was cruel, and uh, and he was idolatrous and and so forth and so on. But the point to be made is Daniel sought his well-being, and when it didn't go the way it should have gone, Daniel hung on to what God told him to do and did not assimilate or uh, isolate. Uh, when God judges a nation, well, actually go back and say this, uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to prove personally that the presence of God was more powerful than the presence of evil. I'm telling you, that's a tough one. The power and presence of God is more powerful than the presence of evil. Do we believe that? Can we walk in that? Um, when God judges a nation, you also have to remember that the righteous suffer along with the wicked. And how far can we engage our culture without compromising our convictions? Well, we have to walk that line. We have to take a shot at it. And uh, the good news is if you make a mistake, God's not going to abandon you. He will help you. Now, a Christianity that is without friction in culture is a Christianity that is dying. Uh, sometimes conflicts arise because of state or federal laws. You can see that playing out on the news right now. This teacher was told by the principal that the parent-teacher conference that she must be referred to as a he since the parents don't know that he is referred to as a she in the school day. The parents had no right to know that their son is trans, trying to be a transgender. Now the question is, should a Christian teacher play this game? That's an honest question, and boy, it's real today. Other workplace rules insist that people be silent about their religious beliefs. Bibles have been banned from desks. Employees are told they can't wear crosses because it might offend other employees. I would not work well in that environment. Let's just put it that way. Thank God maybe that's why the Lord had me retire early. What is a family to do? The daughter of a family is marrying another woman. Do they go to the wedding? What do they say to their daughter? Think about it, and I'm sure if everybody out here has run into a situation where they've had to deal with something like that. Now, finally, Daniel 1, verses 3 and 4 show that Nebuchadnezzar wanted to immerse Daniel and his friends in the culture life of Babylon. When you look and see that they picked the youth, and you can just see the description of the youth that they picked, when I read that scripture, before I ever studied this, I always thought about Hitler and the Hitler youth. Um, in, the, in the 30s, the early 30s, Hitler designed the Hitler youth to turn them into committed Nazis. That's what the purpose was. They made rules that you couldn't have school, that they couldn't, parents couldn't do this, the parents couldn't do that. The parents virtually had no control over their kid once they turned a certain age. I think it was 10 years old. So... You add up from 10, 10 years old in 1932 to 1942, these are the 23-year-old kids that turned into SS 
soldiers and turned out to be radical fighting Nazis, but that's how they were that's how they were taught. So we've abandoned the youth. You can go back to Deuteronomy 6 and see where the Lord said, "Teach your youth so that they'll know these things when they grow up." But we've not done that. We've abandoned the youth to an ungodly culture. One of the seven mountains is the education mountain. We've abandoned that to the enemy. Uh, these young men had every reason to hate the king for the cruelty, for stealing their freedoms, for trashing their own faith commitment. But God said, in effect, don't be angry, for I have appointed you to be a witness where you are. God said, in essence, to get over your hatred and serve your enemy. <clears throat> the bottom line is this. We cannot let the world tell us what we can and can't do and where to draw the line. So the very important thing for us to remember as we work through this is that God has set up limits and boundaries for us. And even though it's dangerous for us, we have to start stepping out and finding out from the Lord what is it that we're supposed to do. I can tell you that, that uh, one of the key elements to this, and uh, when we get towards the end of this, uh, of this program, of this teaching, uh, we'll have a package of, of scriptural responses that are, that are necessary. One of them involves this, the use of the spiritual gifts. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and not able to hear the Lord speak clearly, you're not going to be good at this. You're, you're gonna, you, you won't have the tools that you need to deal with the situations that are coming up. And uh, we want to do that. So um, my credit goes to, the, the credit to this whole thing goes to Erwin Lutzer and other people that have written these books I'm just sitting here consolidating them in a pattern that I believe the Lord wants us to look at. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and close with prayer. And I don't see any hands for questions, so I assume I got everything communicated right. So, Father, we thank You for today. We thank You so much, Lord, that even though these problems exist, and as we're going to dig into them further, Father, we ask for Your guidance, Your mercy, and Your grace to us. We thank You for that in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next time.